God's word uh, gives us only one way by which uh, what God would do can be done and is done and that's by faith that's quite plain the Bible gathers together all the great spiritual achievements of the ages in one famous chapter Hebrews 11 and says that everything which has been done has been done by faith and by faith in one says it's a human activity it isn't a human activity to this extent that, that someone is united to us so we and that other person are one person so when we act he's acting but, in, 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 but it, it is in that sense it's, it's something we do the scripture says that the remarkable thing about this chapter Hebrews 11 uh, it says by faith Noah did so and so by faith Abraham uh, by faith Moses by faith Joshua they go right through the, the whole list by faith Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah so on did so and so well you might say they'd say by the power of God doesn't say by the power of God it says by faith and faith is something which they exercised if thou canst believe all things are possible even to believe it one of the remarkable impressions of the of the, the Savior's ministry the, 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 the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth was he always threw the weight on faith? Well, that's curious. One of the most outstanding instances of that was when the woman touched him. Uh, the woman who had the disease touched the hem of his garment. And it says that he knew virtue had gone out of him and healed her. Yet when she came trembling to, uh, to admit that she was the one who had touched him, he said, Daughter, go in peace. Thy faith has saved thee. So he transferred attention from the virtue which has saved her to the faith. The reason being, I suppose, that it's so comparatively rare for him to find faith in action. So we've had to learn, and it's a glorious lesson to learn, that uh, everything which is spiritually achieved is spiritually achieved by faith in action. And faith is something we do. Of course, the background of it is that God and we are one person, and what we are doing, God is doing. But that's the hidden secret which we don't give away in public. Uh, it's, we do it, and the emphasis is, we, and mind you, I say, we do it. I've said all these days, no one so active as a Christian. A Christian is one who's been unified with Christ, and no one so active because we're in Christ's activity. The way Christ is active is by my lips and my hands and my feet, and so I'm active. And God tells me to do what I must do. And to God tells me to go and I must go. And that's quite safe when you know, when you know something inside you. Otherwise, it isn't so safe. <laughs> by faith. And uh, so we have to learn, we have to learn how to practice faith. Now you'll always find if you're going to practice faith, you've got to start uh, uh, at bottom. Uh, because you, 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 you've, got to, you've got, got to learn the practice of faith is bringing into, into uh, uh, operation the powers of God. And the powers of God will come into operation where the powers of man uh, 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 eke out and fail. So faith operates where man can't. Where man, man can't, God can. So it's always in an atmosphere of, uh, uh, of frustration to man that uh, the powers of God operate by faith. Of course, that's a wonderful lesson because that means that all our difficulties are opportunities. And we get busy praising God for all the impossible situations in life because the impossible become the possible. Because it's in the impossible, in the human impossible, that faith will operate and produce the, the possible of God. That's the secret of faith. So you see, it says, by faith things are done, all the way through the scripture. 
I want to give you a, a little inside description uh, based on that of uh, how the Lord taught some of these lessons before I have to, I've got to learn them and relearn them and relearn them all the time. But how the Lord taught us some uh, in the commission he'd given us. Now, of course, first of all, that meant a tight corner. Now, the first tight corner in the mission with which I'm connected was before I was in it. So I, I won't talk too much about that. That was the tight corner C.T. Studd was in. When God first called him, he had no health, no money, his wife was an invalid, hadn't got a church behind him, had nothing. And God told him to go. Well, he practiced faith. Out of that faith uh, 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 came into being the work that uh, God began to do through the, him in the heart of Africa, which is now spread all over the world. But our turn came a little later. And that was when C.T. Studd died. Now, there were many complications concerning the mission at that time. We went to a bad patch, a very bad patch, and he died in a very bad time, in 1931. And the mission appeared to be on the point of collapse. Although the work was vigorous in the one field, the heart of Africa, the commission given us, given us, he decided, to the whole world, not to the one field. And we were just a very small mission. We were functioning by the grace of God and functioning in the power of the Holy Ghost in the center of Africa. But there were only 35 missionaries, and my wife and I had come home, 37 all told. And C.T. Stard, our founder, died. He was the only one whose name was known. Uh, it was the time of the financial depression in the world. First, 1931 was the time when the uh, unemployment mounted up and the, uh, the, 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 the uh, economy of the world, you might say, went crash. We also had extreme internal difficulties in the mission. We learned some lessons through our difficulties, as we usually do. It was a time of humiliation and weakness and difficulty in the mission. Uh, we got to the point when, in, that, in the month Tud died, the mission, as I say, consisted of 35 missionaries, and the money which came in for the whole mission for, for the one month was $50. It doesn't go very far, 35 missionaries. So here we were. Now, the, you, you see, you start with your human reaction. You've got that part of the human reaction to the, to the divine outlook. That's, that's the process you go through. The human reaction was, give up. We even had two godly, uh, leads, leading godly people in London who came to see me. I felt like it. They said, well, brother, your founders died, and the best thing is to close the business up. And I, I, I jolly well felt like it, too. Excuse my English. Um, uh, another thing we thought, we thought, well, are we, are we honest to the public? Because our work was in one field, the heart of Africa. Uh, our work was this big, our name was this big. Worldwide evangelization crusade in the heart of Africa. It wasn't quite worldwide. So we wonder whether we even better change our name if we did, did go on anyhow. Now we, we learned lesson number one. I don't quite remember how we did learn it. It came to us in a, a time we needed to know it anyhow. Lesson number one was, uh, what matters is God's point of view. That the, this life is lived out not from our point of view, but from God's point of view. I mean, you, you give a chance for God to show his point of view. We learned a great lesson about prayer then, which we've never ceased learning since. That is, prayer does not start with us. Prayer starts with God. Prayer is God expressing through us what he intends to, uh, uh, what he intends to do. Prayer is God putting a need in our, uh, in our situation because God intends to supply it. So prayer comes from God. Now prayer doesn't start with us asking God all sorts of things. It, it, it starts with God telling us what he's going to give us. Then we can take it. So we began to learn a secret of the strategy of prayer and faith. Uh, up to that time, at our home end, uh, we had uh, been accustomed to having, like any mission society would have, a half-hour prayer at the beginning of the day. Uh, we just spent a quarter of an hour reading the scriptures, and then we spent a quarter of an hour 
praying just on whatever uh, uh, needs arise. I remember we had one business lady among us. She was a good woman, and her idea was, well, prayer is prayer, business is business. And if prayer, day, prayer needs half an hour in the day, business certainly needs eight and a half hour day, uh, a day, uh, hours in the day. So when the half hour of our prayer finished, she'd always scrape her chair on the floor to warn us that now we want time to get on to business. So uh, the first lesson we learned was to cut out time limits. If the prayer was to be effective, if we were to know God's way, we've got to give God time to talk. We've, we've carried that out ever since. We have no time limit in our morning meeting because God must come soon and show us his strategy. So it began like that. Now that's been most important all the way through. Discover what God's after in a situation. That doesn't mean that God speaks from heaven. He speaks through our minds. Uh, we, as we think a thing through, uh, we'll get a conviction uh, as we sort of think, out, this is God's situation. God's put us here and we'll begin to see, well, this is the kind of thing that would happen. You see, God thinking through our minds. God looking through our eyes at the situation. That's how God speaks confirming it by the promises of his word, certainly. And now God began to speak. In this sense, the first thought, if you like, that came to us was this. Uh, what commission had our founder given us 16 years before, in 1914, when he founded this work? And I've told you the commission was not only the heart of Africa, but the whole of the Vansai's world. Now then, here was God's peace. God was saying to us, what about it now? Here you are on the point of collapse, little tiny work in the heart of Africa. And some people say you ought to, you ought to fold up. Now you come to me. You come to me, God says. All right, I'll, now I'm thinking, now I'm thinking in you. My thoughts are these. What commission did I give your founder? Well, that made us sit up. Worldwide. Well, that, that was laughable, of course. So he said, well, the Lord said, we said the commission was worldwide, but how could we do that? And then the Lord simply said, go and find out how people did things in the Bible. That was the second guidance he gave. Go and find out how things people did things in the Bible. Well, that didn't take us very long to find out. Uh, Hebrews 11, of course, by faith. Find out what faith is. Now, this is how we had to learn how faith goes into action. I don't know why we were uh, led to um, uh, turn our attention to Joshua 1. I think it was because Joshua was succeeding Moses, and he probably felt just about as weak as we did when our Moses had gone up to glory. Uh, and we read that very well-known chapter in Joshua 1, and we read there that first of all, God had an interview with Joshua. He said, now Joshua, be strong and courageous, and uh, you're to cross the river, and you're to take the land, and every place is still your footprint upon, I'll give it to you, and all these kind of assurances and strengths and promises. Well, that was very interesting. But that wasn't, the, that wasn't the point that caught us. The point that caught us was about verse 10, where it says this, the interview with God had finished, and it says, Joshua called together the officers of his army, and he said, prepare you food, for in three days you'll cross this Jordan. We once set up. We said, on what authority did he say that? It hadn't even said anything about three days in the, in the interview he had with God. Uh, and how, how could he say that? Prepare for four in three days you will cross this river in flood. We began to see what faith is. We began to see faith is human action based on the conditions that God's put you in. Now, the human action came from Joshua. God didn't tell Joshua three days. Joshua chose three days. It is. Joshua said, I say to you, prepare food, because in three days you'll cross. In other words, uh, uh, faith was man acting by authority in a situation which God had put in. Because God said, this is the situation I put you in, I'm here in it, to do something for you, go and do it now. As you step out with, uh, in, 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 by faith in my authority, I'll come through your faith. We saw what faith was. We saw, the, saw that faith steps out on thin air and finds a solid rock underneath. That was a, that's, that's been a nice lesson to us.
Of course, Joshua's faith was followed by action. They went into action, as you remember. It was when the feet of the priests uh, reached the water that the waters divided. So we began just to apply that. Quite simply to our situation now. Uh, now we got it. God has said to us, I've commissioned you to go to all places in the world where Christ has not been named. I'm going to do it by you. You've got to go now. Go on. You're only a few of you. You've got to go. You've got to go all over the world where Christ has not been named. Thanking God for all the other missions doing their part. But you go and do your part now. Wherever you find a place in West Africa, Central Africa, India, Thailand, Japan, Latin America, where Christ has not been preached, go there. That's your commission. How? Well, obviously, if you're to go there, you're going to go in flesh and blood. So you must have men and women. Women that make just as good missions as men, of course. We aren't bothered about that a bit. We don't howl out for men because women do a better job, usually. So we're quite content to have women. Uh, so men or women. That's, uh, that's point one. The second point, of course, is if they're, to, if they're to go there, at least they must have their passage. They must have their passage money. Uh, when they get there, you can leave them, to, leave them to God. If God wants them to start, they can start. That's God's business. We can bother about that as long as they get there. But at least they must get there. That's all right. Um, so there we are. So that, that we cannot. Now, now see the practical. All right, then. Then it meant that if God had said to us, we're to go to all the world, if we start going, we can only go by men and money. Very well, now we take the first step of faith. And the first step of faith we took was this. Now, we, we, put, the, the, we put the dates in ourselves. That just as Joshua put his three days in. We said, all right, Lord, we're going to act like Joshua. Now, we've got to start making the world advance. We must start by having flesh and blood and the cash to send them out. So, we're going to say now, Lord, we're going to take it from you and announce it by faith and with your authority that you're going to send us ten commissioned people without us raising a finger to get them. Commissioned people, trained and ready, not just people who are coming off who aren't ready. People who have been trained and ready. Ten commissioned people with it by the end of the year. We've dated it by the, by the first anniversary of Caesar's death. And that will include the money in their pockets to go out with. Now, that was act of faith. We, um, we confirmed that act of faith uh, by gathering together, we were only about six of us then, we gathered together in our little prayer room, I well remember the day, and we took a very striking verse, many of you who practice faith will know it well, in Mark 11, 24, because the emphasis of the verse is very important. That verse says this, when you, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So the central, the heart of that verse is not the desire, nor the praying, but the believing. And we happened to look up at the, at the Greek at the time, and we found the striking fact that the word uh, receive in the Greek is in the aorist tense. The aorist tense is the past tense, meaning the thing's uh, done, uh, is fixed, finished and done. So the verse reads, when you desire a thing, whatsoever, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you received it on the spot, and you shall have it. And so we saw faith in action. Now you see, faith in action is the foolishness of God. It seems so feeble, it seems so ridiculous for a group of people to gather together and say, praise the Lord, we've got so and so when you've got nothing at all. You see, it, it's, it's, uh, it's what God does. God, faith, Bible, God says, calls the things that be not as though they were. Christian science calls the things that, be, that are as though they are not. They got the wrong way around. But uh, faith calls the things that be not as though they were. And so we did it. Now we feel complete fools. You do feel a complete fool in the natural. You feel a complete fool. Ah, but you're going with God. This is God in operation. And so, well done, I remember that day when we said, thank you very much, Lord. We've here with, uh, uh, proclaimed the fact we've got ten missions and all the money for them. That wasn't much. We calculated in those days we got $7,000. Uh, we got all the men and the money by, by July 1691 was the anniversary date. We had a few lessons to learn. The first lesson we had to learn was the next day. Uh, as usual, we came for our, day of, uh, our morning of prayer, our, few, uh, our little time of prayer. 
And some of us began to say, now Lord, you remember those, those ten missionaries, and you sent them along. And the Holy Spirit stopped us. He said, look here, I'll only deal with honest people. Uh, if, you're, if you're an honest person, if you receive a gift, you ask for it again. Uh, polite people, if they receive a gift, say thank you. They don't say, please do it me again. So we had to change our tone. Because we had to change our asking meetings these days to thanking meetings. To tell you the truth, sometimes they were laughing meetings. We used to sit there and laugh and say, well, this is a funny business, isn't it? Uh, we got we got ten missionaries and ten and twelve hundred and seven 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 twelve hundred pounds seven hundred thousand dollars he was dead and they we, where are they? they must be on the way down somewhere they haven't turned up yet. Well, the the, uh, the other test we had was this: faith is it is action. It's it's a, it's it's, a, it's absurd action. It's the absurdity of faith. And the thought that came to me about two weeks after was this: now at that time we hadn't developed new fields. Of course, since then we developed by the grace of God many new fields. And so these first people were to go to reinforce the heart of Africa. Now we knew quite well, because of course we'd, we'd lived out in the heart of Africa, they hadn't got accommodation for ten new missionaries. You have to build a new hut in those days, a, a new hut for each new missionary. And so the thought came to me, we'd better warn them if ten new missionaries are going to come on top of them, because they, otherwise they'll sneak up the trees like the monkeys or something. Uh, so uh, the thought came to me, you better write out to the new field leader, the man who takes Stud's place, and t tell him ten missionaries are going to come. Ooh, somebody said to me, I know who it was, don't you do that, suppose they don't come. You'd be a fool then, wouldn't you? You're, you're a new secretary. What did I think of a new secretary? I thought of Joshua. I thought, supposing those waters hadn't, hadn't, hadn't opened, what happened to Joshua? They, they would have chucked him out and got another general. You see, you see, faith gambles his reputation. You see, there's a gamble in faith, there's a committal. It costs you. It, you, you you're, you're the fool for Christ. You're the wise man in Christ. And that thought came to me. And I remember it really caused a bit of, little, little bit of a struggle. I said, could I do it? I thought, no, 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 playing with this thing. I sat down, wrote the letter. I thought, I'll have no, 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 no uh, tricks with this piece. I'll go post it myself. I can remember myself going up to the mailing box and putting it in. There you are, you go anyhow. Go off to the heart of Africa. Well, that's only a little detail. I haven't time to give a, a great deal now. But I, I, I need hardly say, of course, they came. Bit by bit, it was a marvellous year to us. Your first year when you're fresh in these things is very marvellous to you. Marvellous to see how they came this way and that way. Like a sort of romance all the time. Coming this way now, we, we didn't call, call for them, we didn't call for them, we'd made our announcement, we didn't proclaim it, we made no, no request, we just made our proclamation, that's all, the proclamation of faith. And they came, until we came right up to the, the tenth, the tenth person called and ready to go, five men and five women they were, came ten days from the, from the end of the year, we're getting close then, and we were still a thousand dollars short. Now I'm not talking about money which might come in for other purposes, money might come in for the existing field, that wasn't the point, this was money given for that very purpose and given by people who, to whom we haven't approached. Well, you begin to feel a bit, bit funny then, you know. And here we were. We called that last missionary, Mr. Ten. He's known still in Africa as Mr. Kumi. Kumi is the African for Ten. So he's known as Mr. Ten to this day. And they were a thousand dollars short. Well, I remember that just that last little thing. Nothing very dramatic, except it was, it was dramatic enough to us. I was over, I come down, we come down about the seventh day from the end. I was over in Ireland, having, uh, sharing some prayer days. And I had one of my companions with me, a co-worker. I remember saying to him, look here, brother, I said, we'd better watch the Lord. I don't know where on earth it can come from, but somehow or other, a thousand dollars is going to come in the next five days, or seven days, whatever it was. And the days began to pass, day after day, nothing happened. And three days from the end, uh, I went back to my hostess's room, a uh, uh, house where I was staying, and there was a telegram waiting for me. Uh, and uh, now usually, I, I, you wouldn't get a remark like this, I don't know why she made it, come think. She said, Mr. Grubb, there's a telegram for you, there might be money in it. Well, in England, you never get money in telegrams. You get the money in a letter, uh, if it's a big sum, they don't register it. If it's a little sum, about, uh, about tuppence, they register it. Uh, but uh, that's how it works. And um, 
there was a... Here, she said that. Of course, I dismissed it. When I opened the telegram, it was from my wife in London. She said, 200 pounds, 1,000 dollars, 200 pounds for the 10, hallelujah. Now, to this day, I never saw where that came from. I apparently came from two elderly ladies down in the south of England. I don't know how they heard or what they knew. Well, little thing, the point wasn't that. That wasn't very dramatic. The point was the principle. That was the point. Oh, we said, there's a law of faith. The Bible calls it that. There's a law of faith. That's what we began to develop. And then next year, the Lord uh, led us. We took 15. They came in by the end of the year. I wish I could tell you our last 500 pounds came. That was a bit funny, but I haven't time. Uh, next year, 25. We took 25, and they came in. Next year, we took 50. Next year, we took 75. Year by year, the months came in, and the money came in. Now, of course, new fields began to develop all over the world. And we've been proceeding ever since, like, on that way. Now, I just have one other story to tell you, um, then I'm stopping, uh, to illustrate the same practice of faith on the mission field. Faith is the victory. Let me tell you just one story, because it's, it's, it's been a great deal to me. Now, part of our job, of course, was to discover unevangelized fields, as I told you. Uh, when we discovered a real unevangelized field, of course we had a special thrill. We said, here it is, this is our very meat and drink. This is where we're to go. Whenever we saw, and it still is, whenever we have shown us an unevangelized field, we've got a commission, we've got to go. God's going to hold me responsible one day. I said, we, because faith is the victory. To exercise the faith which produces the mission, produces the money, and then produces the living church of Jesus Christ in those places. That's what we're here for. It's not your know, commission, it's our commission. We're each held responsible for our commission. Well, we had a special stir when we discovered two lands, actually, but I'm concentrating on one. Uh, one land in West Africa, you know the big bend in the map of West Africa, one land never been entered by a ray of light of gospel, a Portuguese territory called Portuguese Guinea. You probably would have heard of it. There's a little land bang in the, in the, in the, in the fat end where the Africa comes out like that. Bang in there, there's this little, little land. It's not got a great population. It might have 700,000, but not a one ray of gospel light ever gone into it. Of course, we jumped to that. All right, then, we began to put out the challenge. We put out the challenge that here's a land we're going into. Always took positive faith. Not, not we ought to go in, or we may go in, we're going in. We give it out. Well, four people came forward. Three young men and a young woman. Now, I'll tell you first about the young woman, because that's the important point. Uh, they, uh, I, I was down, but, uh, this is about 1938. I was down in one of what we call the slums of London. You might almost say I skid row. In the very dark place, a lot of it's been bombed out now, and a good thing it has been, they can rebuild. But uh, dark and dirty areas, uh, tragic areas. And there's a little mission hall. Outside was all dirty and grimy with gratings on the windows, top of small boys grating with, 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 with stones. When you got inside, it was nice and neat, like a mission hall would be, but very small. And for about four days, I addressed about 25 people on the missionary challenge. Among them was one young woman, most of them were elderly, but there was one young woman. I noticed how, how, how tently she listened. Right at the end, she came up to me. She said, Mr. Grubb, my, she said, you know, I love Jesus. She said, any chance I could be a missionary? I said, I found out her name was Bessie. So I said, certainly, Bessie. Being a missionary doesn't depend upon you. Being a missionary depends on who's inside you. If, if God gets his chance inside you, he can make a missionary out of a stone. And he can make a missionary out of you. Well, she hadn't got much prospect of being a missionary. She was the daughter of an alcoholic. A uh, poor little slum home, and she herself, her education ceased at, ceased at 12 years of age. I don't, I don't understand your grades, I can only give you my age. 12 years of age, she ceased education. And she was what they call a nippy. A nippy is a waitress in one of those little slum cafes. And she was doing waitress work, they call them nippies over there. So she was not the last person to think of for a mission field. 
But uh, of course I said that to her, and I said, now Bessie, if you really mean business, I can send you somewhere where you'll both learn about the Holy Ghost and you learn about the Word of God, the Word and the Spirit. And she went. She went to that Bible college run by Mr. Rees Howells, whose biographies out there of, of South Wales. Now, she was a young woman, uh, and she prospered, and she did well, and you'll see, she went through with God in the Bible school. So much so that when after three years she'd had her training, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the council at home felt happy at accepting her. She was the one young woman. Now then we got in the condition where there were three young men and one young woman. Now the way into Portuguese Guinea is not direct. You go to some islands outside the coast, about a week's journey out in the sea. They're called the Cape Verde Islands. They're a coaling station. They're quite civilized. The, ship, the ships in the days of coal, anyhow, before oil, would stop there to coal. And then you get the local steamer once a month from the Cape Verde Islands, takes a week and goes into the mainland, where, as I said, no, no mission had ever been. Well, the four, the four of them went to the civilized area, Cape Verde Islands. But then we immediately came up against this. You couldn't send one single young woman with three single young men into an unknown country. So the only possible ability was for a single young woman to remain behind. So there she remained on the island by herself, and the three young men proceeded by the boat into Portuguese Guinea. They sought and asked permission, and for the first time in history, they got permission to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in, the, in that territory. You can imagine the thrill we all had. I'm sorry to say the devil can, the devil can get in. And any missionary, we're all weak. Anybody's weak if they turn their eyes off Jesus. Turn it strong if your eyes are on the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry to say these three young men got their eyes off the Lord. Whether they got quarreling, I don't know. The war broke out, 1939. Uh, with us, it was later with you. Uh, and the Germans began to move in. And uh, th they got cold feet, as we say. And they began to write home saying, oh, well, uh, the Germans may come down here into the territories, and we may, we may, money may be cut off and this and that. We'd better come home until better days. Well, we tried to stop them, and it's all right to, to advise at home, of course, we could do nothing about it. They took boat and came home. The first people who had ever been inside that territory just took boat and came home, before they got the language, before they'd done anything worth doing, of course. Now, that left Bessie on the islands. Well, Bessie never been to a foreign country before. Here's one single young woman. I was secretary at home, so I did the only thing I could do, uh, which was, uh, I wrote her a letter. I said, dear Bessie, we're, ter we're, we're, we're did, um, terribly sorry about the situation. But here it is, and therefore the only thing we can do is to tell you that your fare is waiting for you, and if you book a ship, you can come home on it. I got a good letter back from Bessie. She's a cockney. Uh, this is the way to treat secretary. She said, dear Mr. Grubb, she says, thank you very much for your information. She said, I hope you won't, you, you hope you won't think I'm rude, she says, but you see, it wasn't you who sent me out. It was God. So if you don't mind, I, I prefer to wait and hear what God's got to say about it. That's the way to handle a secretary at home. <laughs> so she did. Well, of course, as soon as I got the letter, I knew what God would say about it. <laughs> that didn't take long. So we waited for further news. Now, you, don't you think that faith is easy? You see, faith is obedience unto death. Faith is you, you fling your life away on faith, because you're flinging your life away on the commands of God. Well, she did. She wrote about three weeks later, and she said, Dear Mr. Grubb, I want to tell you what's happened to me. She said, I've been to a tough time. She said, whenever I go alone to God, you remember, faith starts by hearing what God says. Whenever I go alone to God, God always says this to me. He says, am I limited to men? Have I said I only work through men? Am I limited in numbers? Can I only work through three? Can't I work through one? This is God talking to Bessie. But she says, when I come out from God and go to the neighbors, the civilized neighbors in the Cape Verde Islands, he said, she said, they're really insulting. They say it would be a disgrace to you as a woman if you attempt to go on there alone. You have no business to do it. So she said, I've got to choose between my reputation and God. She says, Mr. Grubb, I must choose God. And she went. Well, my time is nearly up now, so I must stop. She got there. Wonderful, if you know the story inside, how the Lord made little... Lord, it, when you go with the Lord, he shows you little things on the way, you know. He shows you that, that, that he's with you. 
uh, little, little indications. Uh, so she, and, and she arrived, uh, and through some of these little indications, she, she was able to, to hire a little house with a native woman. For the first 18 months, her only companion was a native woman there, the two of them together. She learned the language, she got permission, she began to work among the people. It cost her her health, or her nerves, we'll say anyhow. And after two years, she came back, leaving the first 18 converts behind her. Uh, we, have other, uh, we have other West African fields also. And while she's in England, one of our best men from one of the West African fields, I had an eye to a good thing, and he got home at the same time, made it convenient, I suppose, to do so. And so something happened, which was a romance. Uh, and the two of them were fixed up, so, and then there were two instead of one. <laughs> and back they went. Well, I can't stop and tell you the details, except to say today, there are about 12 missions in that field, there are about a dozen churches in, in existence. There are about 14 or 15 dedicated uh, Africans now who are giving their lives to, uh, to propagate the gospel. Just at this very month, they're going to be getting into new tribes. The Africans alone get into new tribes. There's a leprosy area with a doctor and several nurses. They treat about a thousand lepers and bring them to Christ. There's a Bible school. They've got three linguists now working on the, th on the, on the, four, on the three of the four main languages so as to get the Bible into the four main languages. And the, the word of God is seeping right through that territory, through those missionaries. And you know, do you know what the motto we have in the mission is since? What, what our, our motto is since? The woman is the man to do it. <laughs> so surely it is. So you see what faith is? See what faith is? How simple. You see, I'll leave that with you because we stop now. Faith is God's after something. God's joining himself to you to act by you wherever you are. And faith is not how you see things, how God sees things. And that means in the situation you're in now, that you have a, a, a listening place for God. Now, that doesn't mean you hear some voice from heaven. It means you've got a place where your heart, heart can get quiet from your anxieties and your fears and your reactions. And you say, how does God view this thing? You always find God views the things positively. God views the things as, as he's going to do a redemptive work. God's going to do something you can't do. And you rise in your spirit, you see. And you begin to say, oh, if God's in the situation, I can expect God to do something. Now then, God's saying to you, get into it then, believe it. Now you begin to act. And as you become convinced, humbly, quietly, as far as you may make mistakes, but God will pick you up if you make mistakes. Uh, Peter got a dipping when he walked on the water, and I expect the disciples laughed at him, but he knew more than they did, because he walked and they didn't. So uh, I'd, rather have, I'd rather walk on water and get a wetting than walk on no water and get no wetting, anyhow. You, you learn a little more about God that way. And so you make, make mistakes, don't mind about that, God will pick you up again. But you see, as far as you know, go with God. Uh, now, as God has shown you, you've got to take actions of faith. And faith means you put God on the spot. God likes to put in the spot. You become convinced, humbly, quietly, as far as you may make mistakes, but God will pick you up if you make mistakes. Uh, uh, Peter got a dipping when he walked on the water, and I expect the disciples laughed at him, but he knew more than they did, because he walked and they didn't. So uh, I'd, rather have, I'd rather walk on water and get a wetting than walk on no water and get no wetting, anyhow. You, you learn a little more about God that way. And so you make, make mistakes, don't mind about that, God will pick you up again. But you see, as far as you know, go with God. Uh, now, as God has shown you, you've got to take actions of faith. And faith means you put God on the spot. God likes to put in the spot. Uh, uh, pin God down. Put a, put, put a pin in and say, now, God, you stick there, please. You've got to do that. Now, God likes us to, to, to commit you. You commit God to things that God likes. Uh, but God will call you to action. God will call you to go on through with his action. And that's where God comes through. That's how uh, our frustrations, our difficulties become our opportunities. So may God give us grace. I'd listen to God. Maybe about the mission field. Maybe about these, these give, the giving on the Sunday. God, listen to God. What God says, do.